Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember, you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. Here now here on 88.3 WTs. After further review, I'm here with David the Man and God Harris. First round playoffs coming to a close. We got a game seven with the Warriors and the Kings. With the Kings. I thought the Warriors might close it out because they're a really good home team, not playing well on the road, but Kings went in there and stole one. Malik Monk, I believe, had 28 points off the bench. And he was looking pretty good uh on Friday night. Uh but other games we're going to be recapping of the first round. Also, the upset of the Heat versus the Bucks. Uh, Denver Nuggets took care of the the T Wolves, even though Ant Edwards basically throwing a chair at somebody. Pretty much an interesting uh, first round playoffs. David, which which ones you want to go first with? We'll, we'll start in the Western Conference. And this we'll is how the West the- was won. Okay, go. Yeah, yeah we'll get the sweeps out of the way. Denver best team. Um, Minnesota really didn't have a chance. A lot of people, you know, this is kind of the growth of Anthony Edwards in a lot of ways. just kind of his maturity. But yeah, him and Carl Anthony Towns, when he decides he, you know, is able to play. But yeah, this team was really, really didn't have any matchup really for Denver. Like, Jokic is, for me, the MVP. Like, put that team on his back. Kind of one of those series that because it was... Uh, David, I, 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 I'll, David, 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 I would probably disagree with Joker being the MVP, probably MVP candidate, but I think it should go to Joel Embiid this year. Just, just saying, but keep going. I mean, it's one and one a kind of like points, like um, yeah, Joel Embiid has a scoring title, Jokic kind of with all the other metrics, and, yeah, it's kind of pick your poison. But I think there's a lot of people that are voting kind of seeing Joel and being like, he's got to get one of these, right? Eventually, it's kind of one of those conversations that we've had recently where, um, like, there are two that are viable and deserving of it, but it's like, do you give it, kind of like, do you give it to, you know, Michael Jordan every year? Do you give it to LeBron James every year? Or do you let someone else win? Um, yeah. So, yeah, Denver kind of made quick sweep of Minnesota, really nothing to watch. It's definitely going to be more interesting the semifinal between them and Phoenix. Uh, another team that wasn't as quick a work. Clippers tried to make some noise. You know, Kawhi Leonard just showing why when he's at his best, he's easily top five in the NBA, just kind of because he can do both ends of the floor and kind of when he's in a rhythm. Um, but yeah, the Phoenix Suns, another one of those teams that kind of midway through the season, everyone was like, okay, you're kind of riding high, but kind of a couple injuries, and then the Kevin Durant trade happens, and everyone's like, all right, you guys are basically NBA championship or bot. Uh, but it, it seems like Phoenix still has a little bit left in the tank, and if Devin Booker can continue to play kind of how he did, particularly closing out the series, I think Phoenix can be Denver. I think it could go minimum six. I don't think it's going to be either a sweep or a gentleman sweep by any means. But yeah, I think Phoenix is going to be another tough out. Like they have been the past couple of years. But the thing is, though, David, I think in that series, they didn't have Kawhi Lillard. They didn't have Paul George. So, really, the the Suns should have really beaten this Clippers team 4-1. to one. I think if you have those two, I think this becomes more of a competitive series. And maybe they might be playing um, on Sunday. 
their game seven against them instead of starting uh, game one of the second round against the, the D-Nugs. Yeah, yeah, definitely the Clippers are are bent, built and centered around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being healthy. I know a lot of people are going to, you know, commend Russell Westbrook for having a series and kind of doing everything, but, I mean, who else was going to score? for that team if it wasn't for Russell Westbrook. Kind of it's if in many ways it seemed like Russell Westbrook reverted back to OKC Houston Russ where he had to do it all just to kind of keep his team in it. And for better or for worse, you know, that that's just Russ's game. But he's gonna be in the high intensity but yeah, this is definitely a different series if fully healthy the Clippers and the Suns play just best of seven. Yeah, this definitely would have been more competitive. Yeah, and, and now I think um, what the Clippers have to pretty much think about is uh, what are we going to do with Kawhi Leonard? Do we have to blow this up? I mean, I, if you think about it, Kawhi Leonard, and I believe he had a meniscus tear in his knee, has been doing a lot of um, load management, but he's always hurt. You're doing the low management yeah. to keep you healthy, but you're still hurt. That, that's that's kind of strange. But like I said, yeah. I think really I think they need to move on from these guys, Paul George and and Kawhi. Um, and, and Russ isn't getting any younger. I mean, and you're going into a new arena. I mean, there's going to be a lot of decisions for the Clippers this offseason. I think Ty Lue is a great coach, but how long are you going to keep these old aging stars, so to speak, that are – or being injured and Ballmer's trying to put out a competitive product. Some people thought that the Clippers were going to be better than the Lakers. Well, that, that didn't really come to fruition. Now, obviously injuries hurt them, but you know, the last two or three years, Kawhi has been sitting out and hurt and he ain't getting any younger. Yeah. And that's the paradox because you're drafting in the mid round, mm-hmm. like middle of the first round, you're not getting like the cream of the crop, top tier talent, even though, we know in the NBA, you don't have to, you know, there are a lot of guys that are drafting the teams that have longer careers than guys in the top 10. It's just, you know, crapshoot, injuries, management, team fit and team chemistry, and kind of just on the player as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's this iteration of the Clippers. I Yeah, I don't know how you can do this long term, because like you said, Paul George isn't getting any younger, and he's had, you know, significant injury history, quite Leonard, with his constant kind of load management just kind of throughout the season, who are those young pieces that you can build around if you are the Clippers? Um, and if not, do you just kind of blow it up and kind of, I don't want to say tank because the NBA, quote-unquote, tries to make sure everyone is competitive. Um, but yeah, you, you need young pieces. You need to think about the future. And the future is not kind of riding with this older core as great as they are but if if they're not if they're not available then they don't have the best ability exactly the best ability is availability and we've, we've said that several times on this show keep going though yeah now to the juicier conf- uh, matchup well, in the western well one of the two juiciest conferences well, go, in the western go, conference. go, we actually talk about the, the kangs in the in the um Warriors go there first. Okay. Well, I mean, both. I think both both of the California. Well, I mean that matchup, and then Lakers Grizzlies is also juicy. But yeah, Kings Warriors, kind of two eras: the Dynasty Warriors versus the Upstart Kings, Coach of the Year. Um, yeah, this has been fun to watch because um, kind of styles that really can. When they're on, they could easily be in the 120s, 130s, and they're hitting shots. Both teams are live and die, like true live and die by the three, and they've played each other close, barring you know, a couple blowouts, including game six. Um, yeah, this is fun just because it's the, the team at the, you know, to be the best, you have to beat the best. And Sacramento is giving Golden State everything that they can and then some. Mm-hmm. You have the chippiness between Sabonis and Draymond. 
Draymond and De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron Fox seemingly versus everybody. Um, you have some of the not head coaching kind of back and forth, but because Mike Brown and Steve Kerr basically worked alongside each other for so long and having some familiarity with Golden, with what Golden State likes to do, Mike Brown kind of has that mental edge. But then also Sacramento is this hungry team that's become kind of America's favorite. Because coming into the season, we were like, okay, Sacramento's going to take this next step. We don't know what that is, but we expect it. And now that we're seeing it, we're like, oh, oh, they could be, you know, they could be NBA contenders. Like, how do we? Oh, no, whoa, 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 whoa. The, the, but the Kings, no. I don't think anyone ever said they would be title contenders. They were talking about lighting the beam and hopefully breaking the playoff drought. But I don't think anyone. Not that I know of was saying that these guys were going to be title contenders. Some people would thought maybe the best scenario for them was to get to the second round. I mean, let's face it, they, the team hasn't made the playoffs since 2006. No, I'm saying I've heard that on NBA radio since the playoffs have started, the way that they've played so far. Mm-hmm. Like coming in the season, no one said NBA title contenders. They were content on... Yeah, let's get to the playoff. I think even okay. with the playoff, I mean, whoever was saying that was probably trying to be on the, the hype machine here. Everyone knows that they somewhat are playing like Golden State Junior. And but you got to go you, you got to it's a process in the NBA. You, you got to go through it and you can't be saying whoever was saying that is just ignorant. Some, someone that definitely didn't play in the league. Um, because let's be let's just be honest here. Uh there's no way you, you got to even the Warriors themselves that, you know, 13 and 14, you know, before they won the title in 15, had to go through some adversity and go through a couple of playoff struggles before you get there. You got to get some seasoning first. And like I said, they're they're young. Um, do I think, though, I'm not surprised they're taking the Warriors to seven. I thought the Warriors would clinch in six, though they didn't. But, yeah, you know, they haven't been clearly winning on the road. So the first two games and losing not a surprise um but yeah um it's an exciting team to watch you know mike brown used to be an assistant with the warriors and they, they the style of play that they play is like the warriors where they're trying to get after it on the defensive end and their offense isn't is a kind of an open offense where we're going to have a lot of off the ball action and if we can get a good isolation all that off the ball action is going we're going to exploit that if not we're going to get someone falling asleep on off the ball pretty fun fun basketball to watch trying to push it up tempo and everything so um basically you got the current warriors facing the baby warriors almost at the point with the kings but i want to even watching these playoffs you already know that uh no this team is not really a, a, a title contender but continue no i mean i would i would agree with that it's still you know this team is young you can't just automatically just go from mm-hmm. no playoffs to winning the championship like you have to like you said go through the growing pain mm-hmm. um, and I, I think this team if you get like within the next three years i can see them being in the nba finals but just kind of with how much well, depth, health health like certain healthy, numbers staying healthy yeah healthy and then development and then getting more pieces to add kind of add to that depth um, definitely veteran, kind of getting more veterans on that team, even kind of listening to game either three or four, they were talking about just kind of Malik Monk being that kind of elder statesman and just kind of what he's contributed. So kind of getting more players like that who fit into the identity of Sacramento and this team growing and getting more healthy. And yeah, yeah, this team is going to be great. But yeah, in- until you beat Kind of the beast and the best and kind of get over those humps and go through those growing pains. Yeah, it's still it's still a work in progress. I think Golden State will clinch out. Um, I I think it's either going to be Steph or Clay that has one of these crazy 40-point games where they go you know, 8 of 10 from 3 and get to the line. Um, but yeah, this is been one of the more fun and exciting first round matchups that we've had in a little while, mm-hmm. particularly kind of in the Western Conference. Right. 
And now we get to the Lakers and Grizzlies, the Dylan Brooks foot and mouth series. Well, we can uh, we can we can basically pod this up for you, Dylan Brooks. I believe this was after what game two or game was it game two? Uh, I think so. Let me let me confirm before yeah. on the internet. While you're doing that, we'll we'll take a listen to this Dylan Brooks press game. I think I believe it was it was at Memphis. Here we go. You're making that run, make it to 14. You and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say maybe maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. What, I guess what what were you thinking? I don't care. He's old. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he should have been saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. If it's LeBron, if it's AD, if it's whoever. Um, and I play my heart out. So, you know, um, he knows that. You know, they... Most of the NBA knows that, and I know my guys know that, and I try to get them on that same type of time every time we, every time we touch that floor. What did he say? Huh? What did he say to you? When? You said you said that moment. Yeah. Oh, he just said, uh, you know, you're dumb for getting that foul, you know, for fourth foul. And then, uh, you know, I play, I play hard. You know, I got to find a way to, you know, not get the fouls on, like, Reeves on the transition or Rui when he's driving. Um, you know, use those fouls, you know, for LeBron and AD and, you know, the guys when I'm guarding, um, especially when, you know, refs want to call the ticky-tack stuff. Um, you know, we've been watching the playoffs and stuff's hard-nosed. Um, and, you know, they're finding ways to, you know, bring back that regular season stuff. You know, it's, you know, I ain't for that. I'm here for the playoffs. So I hope they, you know, get that under control. That's what he said. He said he hopes that they get that under control, and they did, and the Grizzlies are out of the playoffs. Bye-bye, Dylan Brooks. David? Yeah, yeah. so that was after game two, calling LeBron old, which... Yeah, the Grizzlies won. Old. Yeah, Grizzlies won 103-93, but I don't think the game was ever close. And then the Lakers took two more to get a 3-1 lead, especially that Saturday night game. Uh, where the Lakers, I believe, were up by like 33 after one quarter, I believe. I mean, it was just a ridiculousness. The, the Grizzlies came back and almost made it a game, but not really. And then the Lakers took care of them in game four in overtime. Grizzlies came back in game five at the Grizzle Pit in Memphis. And then the Lakers pretty much took care of business on Friday night, this past Friday night. Yeah, enough to mention Dylan Brooks got ejected for hitting LeBron James on the Goring and, yes, during Game Three. Three that was on Saturday, and after the the Lakers clinched, Dylan Brooks was not available for comment to the media. Yeah, which well, he he was blasted by media pundits, ex players like, "Damn, you can't you cannot talk all of this hype and call people old and everything and do all these soundboard comments, and then when you get eliminated." walk away and cower from the camera. No, you have you have to keep that same energy whether win or lose. Like, that just... I don't know. A lot of, I'm sure a lot of people lost kind of any respect that they have for Dylan Brooks for not talking to the media. Like, you, if you can talk after other losses, even after the Game 3, um, um, you didn't talk. You didn't talk after game four, but then you talk after a win. Like, if you're only going to talk after a win, like, like how is that, one, being a professional, mm. and two, yeah. I, maybe it's this new era of kind of players, but, yeah, you just have to keep that same energy. Because if you're going to make soundboard comments, expect people to keep bringing that up, especially if you play poorly, especially if you shoot poorly, and especially if you kick someone in the groin mm-hmm. that you called old. This um, is like an embarrassment, really, for Dylan Brooks. I I, I I hate to say it, but it just it looks silly. 
It just did. I mean, if you're going to talk, back up your actions. Calling the guy old, hitting the guy in the balls and this and that during the game. And then that Saturday game, you looked awful. And then they still beat you in game four. Obviously, you kind of made a get back in game five at home. But, I mean, usually in the series clinchers, if you're at home and you're the team about to be eliminated, more chances than not you're going to win the game. But then you go back to the lake, the lake show and, and just get throttled and then you're not ready for for the media it just it's just not it's just terrible just stick to playing basketball and playing hard don't don't provoke guys you know i'm not the biggest lebron james fan but i even i know keep your mouth shut he's old but he's also the all-time leading scorer and he still has got some game in the tank i mean obviously you've been watching the film you know that he can still put up 40 points i mean he went with a 2020 game in game four I mean the dude can still play I mean he's picking his spots I think the difference is he's old but he's not going to be doing some of the stuff he did when younger consistently but in the playoffs let's be honest you're focused you got seven games or seven chances to get four wins so with this man that that focus and that little range of, of, of area, LeBron can shine. It's not like the regular season where you know you're you're, you're playing some of the top teams in the league, some of the bottom feeders in the team league, and, and you know you're, you're trying to navigate through the season because the most important part of the season for him, especially in his part of his career, is the playoffs. So I think just Dylan Brooks, just a perfect example of somebody that doesn't know the room. Play hard defense on him. Try to rattle him on the court, but going outside of the media and, and giving the sound. The sound bites are great for the show because it's entertaining. I love it. But from a player or coach pros, uh, perspective, I would have just told him, "Look, dude, just just keep your mouth shut." Yeah, and it's the fact that ninety nine point nine nine percent, really, I'd say hundred percent of the league would take LeBron James right now over the best Dylan Brooks in his career. Like, just because LeBron is still one of the best basketball players on this planet, he's in that conversation as greatest basketball player of all time. We we haven't heard much about Dylan Brooks. Um, like, most people had to Google who, where Dylan Brooks went to school. He's from Canada. Yeah. Canadian, went to Oregon, you know, second-team All-American. Like... Yeah, obviously nowadays we don't know much about players because of the transfer portal and everything that's going on with college basketball. But you're right, you know, Dylan Brooks has now got a platform. Um, but you know, he he he's a Canadian basketball player, like you said, he went to Oregon. Um, but okay, he's six six in 2017. He was a second round pick, and he picked number 45. Yeah, and like. Like he has actually, yeah, he earned he earned conference player of the year honors in the Pac-12 in 2017. Yeah, Pac-12 basketball. Yeah, mm, keep going. But yeah, just kind of thinking if you have so, and maybe this is a life lesson for any basketball player. Like if you have so much to say after a win, expect every camera microphone to be in your face after a loss. Mm-hmm. Like you, it, you can't have it both ways. You can't run from the cameras when you play poorly or there's a loss, but then want to talk trash when you win. Like that, that's not how this works. Well, like if you're gonna, we all know that people are front runners. When you when you got the lead, obviously you're going to uh, talk trash. When you don't. You got your tail between your legs. Obviously, you're not because people are going to say, "Well, you lost. You look stupid talking trash." Just keep your mouth shut. So obviously, people want to talk trash when they're front leading. Yeah, but I think a lot of players don't expect people to kind of be like, "All right, how do you feel after this loss?" Like people just expect it, like Dylan Brooks, kind of just be able to just walk away from the media. And now in this age where, particularly. At, you know, at the professional level, you can't just ignore the camera. You have to respond because someone's going to bring up, hey, you said this. Why'd you say this? Did you see what happened when you said this? So, 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe Dylan Brooks, you know, takes this life lesson, and the Lakers will play a California team, whether they're going to San Francisco or they're going to Sacramento. We shall wait and see. Yeah, now we go to that'll be an interesting one. So right now, what we have is um, we got to wait and see which one will happen with the. We know the Lakers are in. We've got to see if they play the Kings or the Warriors, and then obviously the Suns and the Nuggets, the D Nugs, are going to be playing each other. Uh, they will face each other, I believe, today. Actually, at two o five. No, eight eight thirty p.m. Eight thirty. Yeah. Like yep. The two o five. No. Yeah. My bad. Whoops. It says here the that's Suns. a college basketball game. Yeah. So they'll be playing each other later on uh, tonight on Saturday night. Let's go over to the East. What's your thoughts? Here we'll start with the sweep. Seventy Sixers uh, handling. The Nets relatively easily. Um, not much. To, not much to say there. No, not much to say at all. That was. That was there's, bad. There's butt whoopings, and then there's like not even putting up a fight. I, I think though, I do give the Nets a lot of credit though. After the trade happened, they were fourth in in the East with Durant and, and Kyrie left, and, and and they tried. They tried. They dropped down the sixth. Um, but they just didn't have enough. I really think Philadelphia just wasn't a great matchup for them. I think that's what it really boiled down to with them. Uh, I don't really think it was, you know, it was other stuff. Um, yeah, I just don't think that was a good matchup. I just don't. I, I think that was what, what was the was the problem. Uh, but yeah, this was pretty bad i mean i guess we can skip this one i mean just skip it and go to the, the celtics and hawks because that's the next that's who they're going to be facing is the celtics yeah kind of a classic matchup um celtics like atlanta atlanta made it a little tricky at the end because they wouldn't go away quietly uh surprising with that game three win uh but yeah boston just having too much firepower hawks tried, made it you know so one in game five um, able to hold on for that victory and then losing. I give the Hawks a lot of credit because after game one and game two were kind of embarrassing. I thought the Hawks were going to get swept. Um, they stuck it out. Um, I think Trey Young gets Trey Young gets judged unfairly. And I think he's a phenomenal player, but Atlanta has to have a direction in where they're going and get pieces that really fit. You got to remember this team a couple years ago got to the Eastern Conference Finals. But now everyone's saying that he's a coach killer and he's this and he's that. It could be possibility, but Quinn Snyder and him seem like they have a good relationship. But I really think that they needed, and I know they got Devontae Murray with him. I don't know how much that matchup is going to work. You know, you got Collins with them. They got to figure what pieces they can surround around him. Now, the one problem he does have, he does go, he is ice tray, but he also goes ice cold. And that game six, yeah. I, think he, I think he went what? I think he missed his next 13 shots at the end of the game. Yeah, um, it was like he went ice cold. Yeah, it was bad. Super cold. Um, I, I think that, you know, with Collins and them, they're not bad, but I think they need to have another solid piece that when he goes cold, they can give it to the other guy. And I don't know if Deontay Murray would be that guy. I think defensively he can shut down. He can still get scoring here. But in the playoffs, sometimes you just got to go to a guy that can just get you some buckets. And with Ice Trey going cold, just relying just on only on jump shots all the time, that's going to be tough for the Hawks to advance through the playoffs. Yeah, and there was a lot of expectations put kind of because he was such a high draft pick on DeAndre Hunter. But it seems like, uh, yeah, it's trying to figure out who that second player, like you said, is going to be after Trey. Mm-hmm. And just kind of thinking that there's a lot of, you know, between Compelage, Collins, and Hunter, like you have pieces there mm-hmm. that can dominate the game, kind of, but it's, can they do it consistently in the playoffs? And then, kind of, particularly with the matchup with the Celtics, kind of 
are they able to effectively match up with Boston in a seven-game series? They proved that they didn't just because there was so much. Um, there wasn't that, like, we, we were able to see it. Uh, but, yeah, the Hawks are one of those teams that if they were to be in the play-in tournament again next year, hmm. would anyone be surprised? Probably not. Would they, if they ended up being, like, a five or six, would anyone be surprised? No, probably not. But, yes, again, like you said, chemistry, figuring out a piece for um, Trey Young to work with if that kind of relationship with Murray doesn't work out. But, yeah, that stigma of being a coach killer is hard to get rid of. It kind of once the media kind of grabs onto that or kind of runs with that. Yes, you can say, you know, situation, here's the situation that happened. You know, it went from those highs of the conference conference finals to now just kind of with the turmoil but yeah I think I think Trey is still good but he's a volume shooter mm-hmm. when it's going in everyone loves him when it's not people are like fan just pass the ball mm-hmm. but shooters shoot all right keep going all right we'll, we'll go to the Knicks finally winning the playoff series this um, one this one this one was puzzling, and I know a lot of Cavs fans don't like JB Bickerstaff's coaching. Um, I thought the cat, I thought this would be a great series, maybe go to seven, maybe a back and forth going on. I thought the Cavs could possibly win this series, and they just looked flat. Just, just didn't look great at all. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um. Again, when your shots are not falling, I I really I think there's still an ATB out for Donovan Mitchell. Um, you think so? Like he, there are times where he was just out there just getting cardio because the shot wasn't falling. Uh, kind of thinking about Game Four just because I was able to watch that with a lot more of Game Four than a lot of the other games. I just. Felt like a quarter or two half, but not the full game. Um, yeah, it just seemed like turn a lot of turnovers were happening because he was trying to force it too much. Granted, he is the focal point. Like, they brought him in to be the guy. But, yeah, it just didn't work. And then also, interior. Like, good God. Like, their interior. Like, I didn't know Mitchell Robinson turned into Patrick Ewing slash David Robinson, slash Shaquille O'Neal. Like, like the rebounding mismatches were just off the charts crazy in the Knicks' favor. Offensive rebound. It's like you have all this size, and you're just getting bullied. And it's, it was surprising. Like, I thought it was going to go, I think I said, either, you know, five or six, kind of leaning, Cavs, or leaning Knicks, but... Yeah, there were just some games where the Cavs just looked awful. Like, and that's not that's not including their historic bad performance in Game Three, where I mean they couldn't buy a shot. No, for, no, they they, they looked it, it it looked it was really flat. And actually, the Cavs were exciting to watch during the regular season. And I like I said, I thought this was, was going to be a great matchup, a great series, Brunson against Mitchell. You know, Randall would have been kind of doing his thing, Obi Toppin, but I thought Jared Allen, Evan Mobley probably would would have been making a little bit of noise in this in this series. Darius Garland, I thought this was going to go back and forth. I thought, okay, this might be the series to watch, and it was a dud. Yeah, like in that closeout game, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley had a combined ten points and thirteen rebounds. Mitchell Robinson had 18 rebounds by himself. Josh Hart had 12 rebounds by himself. Like, it's, it's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And even listening to both the on-air broadcast and just local radio, people are still confused as to how the rebounding mismatch happens. Like, you, even in, like you said, the regular season, mm-hmm. Mobley and Allen were left-right. They were legitimate you know, defensive assets and strengths. They made teams have to reorient their shots. They were dominant presences. And it's just like, 
they go to they face New York and it's like, who are you people? Like think mom about, stars. Think about like, this. Think about this. RG Barrett, RJ Barrett chips in twenty one along with Jalen Brunson, 23 points to, to, for the Knicks to beat the Cavs to win their first playoff series since 2013, which brings back memories because remember back in 2013, we were going back and forth about who was the MVP that year, LeBron James or Carmelo Anthony. I believe, didn't you go with Carmelo Anthony? Me and Lamont Murray. Right, I knew you were going to bring that up. Lamar Murray thought that as well, and we thought it was, it was obviously LeBron James. And that, and by the way, the Heat went on to win the championship that year. Um, the Knicks had a really great season, didn't do anything after that. Uh, and I also believe the Knicks got knocked out in the second round by the Indiana Pacers that year. Uh, but I, I will say uh, Carmelo had a great season that year, but I, I just think the LeBron and the Heat had a, I think I also think that was the season LeBron and them had a 27-game winning streak I believe then they win 27 straight games almost competing with the Lakers 33 straight so that's why I was picking LeBron James that year but another thing that popped up was going back in the time machine what is the better pick these guys were in the same draft Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett Coming into college, R.J. Barrett was ranked higher than than Zion. But then after Zion put on that entertaining show at Duke, he ended up being, I believe, the number one draft pick in that, what was it, 2018 draft, I believe? Yep. Yep. And now, five years later, R.J. Barrett, solid player, gets you solid numbers, is getting to the second round of the playoffs, and... Zion Williamson has been exciting in bursts of energy. Uh, but the Pelicans have made the playoffs since he's been there, but pretty much beside, despite him, despite him, though. Uh, thoughts? Who who was the better? Looking back, it's looking like R.J. Barrett might have been the more solid pick. And I talked about that last year or that year that about him and his weight and everything, that maybe R.J. Yeah. Barrett would probably be the better pick. Yeah, we talked about, yeah, I kind of remember those draft kind of conversations and even kind of early on through um, the summer league and kind of the limited action that we saw of Zion. Kind of, mm-hmm. The million dollar question was, can Zion stay healthy? I've had the weight issues, had some of the, you know, ankle injuries in college and some of those things that you rightly said, if you don't get that figured out when you get into the league, it's just going to get worse and worse and... You need to train your body and to, you know, like he's been able to play some, but not the level of consistency to where it's worth a number one pick. Whereas R.J. Barrett, it's like, eh, he's going to take some time to develop and kind of get his bearings in the league. Uh, he could, you know, he yeah, overshadows. At Duke, because he didn't do all the flashy dunks and all the highlight reels. Yeah, he's been a solid player. He's fit into a role. First as shooting guard, then last year played mostly small forward, now back to shooting guard. Yeah, I think R.J. Barrett is the better pick because he, he knows what he's supposed to do. They brought him in, you're going to play this way, and he fits into that game. And it showed both statistically and on like, the on-court chemistry. Like, R.J. Barrett is the NBA prospect that everyone says, like, he's going to be better. Just just you wait. And time has, time has shown that he's been better. Oh, yeah. I, I thought in the, I think in the long run, I thought R.J. I know he wasn't the exciting pick. And I understand in the draft, and we'll talk about that later in the NFL draft, where... I've, I've realized that NBA, all pro sports is entertainment, and people want to be entertained. But sometimes you got to pick substance over swag. And the substance here is he's helping the Knicks win ball games and being relevant. And I think substance goes a long way, especially in New York. Um, you know, I still think that if 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 Zion can stay healthy keep his weight down I still think there's somewhat of a chance for him but remember he's only getting older and the weight issue is going to be a problem as you get older we've, we've talked about this before so I, I don't I don't know I, I, I think 
like I said, it, it was as tough as a GM because then if if he does blow up and does better than expected, then you you're gonna get fired, and you can't. And obviously, you're not Nostradamus, and you can tell the future. But at the end of the day, though, I, I thought the better pick was probably gonna be RJ. But now is he gonna be outstanding? Number one draft pick, entertaining, like a LeBron James type? No. But could he be a type of player? I mean, look at Anthony Davis. Was he really for the Pelicans? I believe he was the number one draft pick. What, what did he do? I mean, he won a champion with the Lakers. But, but what did New he? Orleans. But with New Orleans, what he got him to the playoffs. And I think R.J. Barrett would have been kind of the same way. Like eighty nine, I did see eighty score fifty nine points against the Pistons live, which was a pretty much great feat to watch. But then now that you're looking at this now, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williams, and then you think about it, Williams, he was also supposed to be going to New York supposedly. I don't know if they want that now. But congratulations to the Knicks. Um, very disappointed in the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I know a lot of fans are not really happy with J.B. Bickerstaff. I, I thought he did a pretty good job coaching this team. The last few seasons, they're still growing. I don't think that the Cavs fans should panic. You got to remember, this is the first time that they've gotten the Cavs have gotten to the playoffs since LeBron left. I think they're on a great trajectory, and once again, this is a young team that's realizing the playoffs is a lot different than the regular season. This is their playoff bump in the road, bump on the head, even for JB Bickerstaff. Hopefully they grow and learn from this. Hopefully they make the playoffs next season. If they don't, then I think maybe there need to be some changes. But right now, Cavs fans, I said, don't really panic. If you would have beat the Knicks and got to the second round, you weren't going to get past the second round anyway. So it doesn't really matter. But that's my only thoughts. I guess go on to the next series. Yep, and the one that's got everyone talking for a multitude of reasons. The Jimmy Butler-led Miami Heat taking down the number one seed, Milwaukee Bucks. Jimmy Butler playing like Michael Jordan reincarnate, just kind of putting the team on his back, making Bulls fans like, this is the guy that we drafted. Like, where, where is this guy then? I think, I, I, I think it's the culture with the Heat. I I, oh, yeah. I really do. I think that's what has transformed his career. And and people will tell you that that the culture that Pat Riley has down there with the Heat is that you're going to be a professional. You're going to be in shape. There's certain requirements you're going to have. You're going to be well conditioned at all times. Um, they're always going to be competitive. I think Spolstra, the consistency. I think people need to take a page out of the Heat and r- realize that you want to be consistently a winner. Consistency is key to this. Even though the Heat were the AFC, they actually played in the playing game and eliminated the Chicago Bulls. Um, but things like this happen, and and, and obviously injuries like Tyler Hero's out. You 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 can't have that with injuries. But I think a lot of fans, as soon as adversity hits, you want to hit the reset button. You want to find the new guy. You got to no have consistency. But I do think this environment has helped Jimmy Butler later in his career. I think in Chicago. Um, the potential was there, but uh, it, it just this just the organization. And, and when he was in Minnesota, same thing. A lot of chaos in the in the organization. Philadelphia, same thing with Embiid and them. And 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 I also don't think Jimmy Butler plays well as being the second fiddler either. Um, like I mentioned before, I was a little disappointed in Jimmy Butler his last few seasons in Chicago because I thought Rajon Rondo was the reason why the Bulls were being competitive in the playoffs. And I'm thinking, you're the guy. You got to step up. But I think that was because he was young in his career, and I don't think he knew how to prepare to be the guy. I think going down to Miami, just like they did with LeBron, they teach you that. And obviously, they've, they've gone. They, last year, they got to the conference finals. In 2020, they got to the NBA finals. I think he's learned that through the Heat culture. So for them that upset the 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 Bucks. Now I will say this: I'm not surprised, but at the same time, I also say Giannis was hurt. He was hurt. Um, I don't think he played up the full 100 percent either. Thoughts? Yeah, I think kind of when you're kind of coming back, and you you could see even in his face, like Giannis wanted to be out there, you know 
Tyler Highwater. We'll talk about his uh, his press conference that went viral in a little bit. Yes. But yeah, Milwaukee was like they were not at full strength. Grant, there are a lot of teams that aren't at full strength at this time of year. But yeah, when a guy like Giannis is not at a hundred percent, you feel it and you can see it. And as much as we love Chris Middleton, as much as we love kind of that core that was built, um, now Brooke Lopez, Middleton's hurt. His role, Middleton's yeah. hurt. Yeah, this this team is a shell of itself from two years ago when they went to the championship. Middleton has been struggling with injuries. They're getting older. They got to make some decisions. You know, Drew Holiday is 32 years old. I think Brooke Lopez is 34 years old. I think Chris Middleton is around 30 to 32 years old as well. And you you, you got to figure this out. Yeah. And uh, and also, Mike Budenholzer. Like, I, I know you have a different perspective as a coach, just kind of being in that position. Did he have a brain fart? Because I feel like he did, but... Again, hindsight's twenty twenty when you're in that moment. But yeah, Mike Moonholes is getting a lot of a lot of shade thrown at him just for his coaching, not just in the closeout game, uh, but yeah, just kind of various parts of the series as well. Well, think about it though. Before they won the championship, people wanted him fired. Remember? Yep. So I, I I'm not surprised by this. Um I do think that could it be a change? I think they might not make the change till next season if if things don't go well. Remember, they still got the number one seed. It, it just it just amazes me. There were certain things that you do as a coach. It, it, it's strange because as a coach, you see things a lot differently. And as fans, people say, "Well, he should have did this. He should have did that." But sometimes as a coach, you have trust in your players. Sometimes you have sometimes Phil Jackson used to do this with the Bulls. If things were going wrong, instead of calling a timeout, hey, you're facing adversity, you gotta play through this. I'm not gonna bail you out. But then at times sometimes you do need to call a timeout to stop the momentum that's going on and, and, and regroup the troops, even if it's to just to give them some key reminders. I guess there's certain what so many ways to skin a cat. Um, but you got also got to remember this team has won a championship two years ago. He probably thought that the team could play through it, and he didn't. Um, I do think though, at the end of the game, though, remember in the NBA, you can call a timeout and advance the basketball. That is a question that some people were asking. Why didn't you just call a timeout and advance the basketball instead of inbounding it and wasting time bringing the ball up? And that is a legitimate question. Yeah, I mean, again, kind of hindsight twenty twenty, but like you said, kind of knowing that they've been in hostile environments, trusting that, hey, we have thirty four, he can make something happen. But yeah, and again, like coaching decisions are scrutinized with a fine tooth comb afterwards. But in the moment, does that cross your mind? Do you think about it, or is it kind of yeah, being that armchair coach, kind of listening to a post game like whoa. This guy said he should have done that, so yeah, why didn't you do that? Kind of feeling that, but that's why they're armchair coaches. I mean, you, I, I, I've come to the, the realization that you'll always be questioned, second guessed as a coach, and and, and and I've done it as well. You know, I, I've I've gone in there, you know, and I I don't really second guess a lot of coaches and stuff like that, but um. It is what it is, and, and I know sometimes you're just coach, coaching the minute, in the heat of the moment, and I think you got to remember, the, we see what goes on on the outside in the game. You don't know what goes on in practices. You don't know what goes on in meetings. A lot of times, a lot of things that are involved in a coaching decision is accumulated through a several things. Game footage practice footage what they what they've done in drills different analytical things which i think sometimes some coaches rely on too much analytical stuff um to where you make those decisions and you get to know your basketball players and things like that and sometimes you say you you, you got to roll the dice it's a gamble sometimes you win sometimes you lose i think coaching to me is like going to vegas it's all a gamble Sometimes you hit big on the craps table and sometimes you don't. And when you don't, 
you you lose out on on the winnings and you get criticized but if you hit big you, you cash in and you know people are, are happy for you you know i don't know if you ever gambled before but when you, you you're on a roll at the table and that dice is clicking going. well no the dice is clicking everybody's your friend everybody's around the table they're patting you on the back they're giving you high fives but what happens as soon as you lose everybody clears out same thing with coaching I mean, let's just be honest. When you're hitting big, wow, you're a genius at the table and everybody loves you. But then as soon as you you don't do well at that table, um, people go, why do you keep rolling? You should have played it safe. You should have did this and you could have had all this money. Huh, okay. This is just this is just example in life. So, um, yeah, I think that's just what happened with with Budenholzer. Um, I think he's an okay coach. I think you know he did well in the in the in the championship game. I think some of the talent stepped up. Um, I've also realized in coaching sometimes you have a great game plan, and sometimes the players if they just don't execute it well enough or give credit to the other team doing better on their end, you lose. The Heat dug in and they won. They, they, they stuck it to their culture being a well conditioned, defensive minded team. And they got this series. Now they're going on against the Knicks. Let's see if it holds up. If they get past the Knicks, then they're doing a really great job. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that, as we think about the series long-term, or not even long-term, but just kind of in retrospect, is it going to be one of those things where culture, the culture shift, and the culture change is happening that shows, like you said, here's the model as to how to build a culture and a team success. Knowing that if we stick to what we're doing, if we have the environment that's rich and everyone knows the part that they play from ownership management to the players, and that when it clicks, everything is good. But the moment that you try to rely too much on well, we're trying to copy this model, we're trying to copy this brand, we're trying to be like so-and-so, then those are the teams that, at the end of the day, don't advance. Like Milwaukee stuck to the guns, and they just got beat out by a better team. Does that mean Milwaukee's culture is bad? No. Does that mean that the coaching is, is bad and terrible? No. They went with... Like, they have a whole season's worth of research and metrics and analytics to go off of. We can't just say the season boiled down to, oh, this one quote-unquote mistake that didn't work out in their favor. Because what if Milwaukee won that game? Then we're saying, oh, that was brilliant. You know, a lot of coaches would have called a timeout there just to get their teams in check. But, you know, he stuck with his players and he trusted them and they succeeded. Like, it's a catch-22. No matter, like, we've said this on the show before. Like, no matter what we do, there's going to be criticism. There's going to be someone commenting, asking a question, kind of second-guessing and judging what you did. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. So, now, we're going to talk about failure. Let's listen to Giannis. As this, remember, this is another reporter trolling him. He, this reporter asked him this same question about the Bucks season and it being a failure. You got to listen to this. It, it, pretty good. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this and then we'll wrap up this segment. I just asked Bud the exact same question, but I'm curious for you. Do you view this season as a failure? <sighs> oh, my God. Uh, okay, because I'm not that up. We, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay. Uh, do, you get, do you get a promotion every year? On your job, no, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide a house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't, know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So there's always steps to it. You know. Um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? 
It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful, some days you're not. Some days it's your turn, some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports about. You don't always win. Some other, other people is going to win. And this year, somebody else is going to win. Similar as that. We're going to come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits, try to um, play better, not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I, sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year, and I, last year I wasn't in the, in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back, but I remember it. Your thoughts? Agree. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, we'll go back. I didn't hit. I didn't hit the bell. What were your full thoughts on that? Right, so yeah, I thousand percent agree on what Giannis said, and it's a kind of a and um, also another good segment for any of you listening. Kind of the inside the NBA crew, Shaq, Kenny, Ernie, and Chuck talking about this kind of in depth. Kind of another brilliant conversation. Just. The way that we define success is always, did you win the championship? Like that, yes, that's the goal, but not every team can be NBA champion. Well, let's like, think about everybody wants to win the championship, but let's just let's just be honest here. Did the Knicks, the Cavs have any shot of winning the championship? Did the Nets have a chance of winning the championship? No. What about the Hawks? No. So are they all failures? What about the teams that didn't? What about the Bulls who didn't even make it out of the play-in? No. Exactly. No, like none, none of these teams are failures. Exactly. Like. We like already even, know that. And now, I, I, I'll talk about the Bucks later, but you're right. We know that only two or three teams actually have a legitimate shot at actually winning the championship. So if those teams do, you know, I think the the Knicks have had a successful season. I think the Kings have had a successful season just by clinching the playoffs and ending the long drought and now taking the Warriors to seven. So I, I think that we, we, we get on this thing where it's 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 championship or bust, which you're correct. And it's, it's and, and like he said, the Bucks they hadn't won a championship in 50 years. There were some bad Bucks teams that were trash. When I started watching basketball in 1991, then, you know, Ray Allen, Sam Cassell and them got to the Eastern Conference Finals with Glenn Robinson. And then there was just up and down years with the Bucks. I mean, so, yeah, I think it's all in different people's perspective. But continue. Yeah, and it's a learning process. I think the only time that you can say it's a failure is that if you don't learn and implement the lesson that you took. True. It's incremental growth. Like, in those 50 years, there was growth, there was a trajectory, there was a vision before that culminated with the championship in 21. But that doesn't mean that you can't get complacent just because you won a championship because then you fall back into the pack and then it's like, well, what happened? Well, you thought that you had learned everything that you need to learn, that you've grown and got to this point to where there were no lessons left to be learned. But a lesson in growth is also how can can you keep doing the things that got you to the top when you're at the top so that you don't get this level of complacency? And, yeah, is it does it stink that they didn't get out of the first round? Yes. But then at that same time, for those that are saying it's a, fail, it's a failure for the Bucks, well, number one seed, you know, they put in all the work to get that number one seed and all that effort. So then is it on my so – now are you discrediting Miami for the work that they put in, the effort that they put in? The fact that Eric Spolcher put all that time and effort, Jimmy Butler and the rest of that group, the culture, like, like you can't say that you should be embarrassed losing in the first round or any series because one team has to win, one team has to lose. Like, that's just how it is at the end of the day. There are 29 teams that don't win the NBA championship every year. Are they all failure? No. 
No, this wasn't like, really. Yeah. A, I don't. I also will say this. I don't think it was a great matchup um, for for them. I'll be quite honest. I I just think the Heat versus the Bucks was not a great matchup for them. No, and I can see that. Um, particularly just knowing how, and kind of it's been talked about kind of in the aftermath, yeah, the, the Heat, when when they're good, and when Jimmy Butler is kind of clicking like this, that team is hard to stop because they have the perimeter shooting, and they have, like when Bam is playing like Bam, they have that interior depth to be able to kind of dominate around the board. So it's like that combination of, Solid three-point shooting, Jimmy Butler going off, and then having control on the off- offensive board, but then also on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like most people don't think about that. They just see, oh, they didn't win the championship. Oh, it's a failure. Better luck next year. Like that's and granted, like that's the way our society is. Where if you don't have like the championship at the end of the day, then all your work was for naught. Mm-hmm. Whereas. Did you learn something? Did you grow? Are you better than at the start? And if you are, then then you you're not a failure. And that's a lesson that um, I don't know. A lot of people want to admit that that's their mentality, where it's winning over everything. But I mean, that's something that adults need to learn. Professionals need to learn, athletes of all ages. Like, what did you learn throughout the season, throughout the competition, throughout the process? And how can that make you better for the next year? Whether you, even if you win the championship, what did you learn so that you can repeat? Because a sign of a dynasty is, like you said earlier, consistency is key. If you win and then you just go back to kind of a lackadaisical attitude, what are you what have you learned? Where's the growth? Where's the improvement? Yeah, and I, and I also think too, like I said, um Middleton was hurt. He wasn't playing like he normally is played. I, I I just feel bad sometimes where you got to look at the injuries and, and what they're playing through. And like I said, the matchups, basketball, I've always had my friends tell me all the time, they go, basketball's about matchups, Derek. They're always about matchups. And I said, yeah, that's true. And I just don't think this was a great bat matchup. And they weren't fully healthy. And also Giannis falling on his back. You could kind of tell he was slowed down a little bit. Um, is it a disappointment? Yes. But a full failure? No. Um, I mean, they can come back next year and win the championship. I think maybe it's a failure when you know the time has come where it's completely over and you just didn't do it. But I think they still, they just need to relax. You'll still be one of the top NBA teams. Got to make some some hard decisions. But I think sometimes these reporters just do things just to, to get clickbait or just a sound bite. It's just, it's getting ridiculous with, especially with this Twitter world. Final thoughts. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I was going to mention that, um, kind of Mark Cuban responding to that and kind of saying that the there's fault on the journalists as well. Kind of you wrote on Twitter headline seeking questions that look good in a tweet or what sports media has devolved to far too often. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, these questions are bred by the need for media outlets to generate revenue. Right. So, Lesson for us, kind of in the sports journalist world, like stop trying to get headlines and clickbait so that you can run with it, and just kind of yeah. But again, that's the world that that's journalism now in twenty twenty three. Everything if you don't get the clicks, you get fired. It's true. That is true. Final thoughts. Uh, great first round of the series with one game left to go to really figure out who's in the last eight. Um, but yeah, it's going to be some exciting conference semifinals, and maybe maybe we'll get a couple brawls between the Heat and the Knicks. Who do you think is going to win um, between? Uh, who uh, do you think is going to win between the Warriors and Ka- the Kings? I, I still think that experience is going to help them, and I think Golden State gets over the hump and. As a date with the Lakers, because that's going to definitely what ESPN wants. The Warriors and LeBron in the same series. Ooh. 
I, I can see that. I can definitely, I can definitely see that. Where they want Lakers and Warriors. They they may actually make that the conference finals and be like, yeah, Phoenix, Denver, yeah, great, great job. Mm-hmm. Like we want these two teams. Exactly. All right, so we got through the NBA playoffs first round. I didn't know the segment would go this long, at least an hour, but we did. Coming up next, we've got the NFL draft, day one and day two. Thoughts from David Man and God Harris. No Frank Vashner here today. It's in the 88.3 WGTs. After further review, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick, 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 or not really a quick commercial break, but we're going to take a commercial break and come back at it. Talk about the NFL draft, uh, a little teaser for the draft, uh, David. Bears are going to Bears. That's all I can say. Looks like he's poking the bear at me. See, get a response out of me. Good job, David. We'll be back after this on 88.3 WCs after further review.